Welcome everyone to the room where it happens. See what I did? Yeah. Yeah. This My is yeah. This is digital digital get down. Episode forty-two. Yep. We got all set up to record in front of our big television to watch the Bruins in overtime, and within seconds of doing that, literally within seconds, yep. they lost. That's okay. So. Yeah. Drinking some cider this week. We're recapping our wild weekend. In the Midwest. Weekends, for some of us. Yeah. Um, what do you want to start with? We can't actually start with the room where it happens. No. Happened, happens. We gotta build up to that a little bit. Yeah. I have so much good news and bad news. We're not doing any sort of intro? No. Okay. Jumping straight into it. Go for it. You have all the news this week, so you start with the news. Okay. We have a couple weeks to catch up on. Is that what you've been saving all your news from? Yeah. A little bit. Uh, so good news first, semi-serious. Um, did you read Roxanne Gay's essay? No. No? It's called What Fullness Is. It's all about her decision to get uh, weight loss surgery. Okay. Which is kind of a big deal because she's kind of like embodies, no pun intended, um, like being fat and being proud about it. Like owning it. Yeah. And she... Had to give in for a multitude of reasons, and but she wrote this story to kind of explain that part of I the journey. I think if you put her in a lineup right now in front of our entertainment center, I could not pick out which one she was. Okay. I have no idea who she is. Well, she's, she's a writer, so how many writers can you really pick out of a crowd, though? That's fair, I guess. And that's actually one thing that comes up in the story, is that she says she gets recognized more often than you would expect, and she was getting recognized going into her appointments, and people were saying, oh, is everything okay? Why are you coming to this hospital? And she was too ashamed to tell them the truth. It's a plot of Legally Blonde. Okay. You don't remember? Which character? Allie Larder's character. She's a fitness instructor, but she's going to get lipo. Yeah. In her butt. Yep. It's basically a reenactment of that. Yeah. Um, moving into the sports realm, NFL draft. What's your hot takes? <coughs> Sorry, I just threw it in my <laughs> mouth a little. Um, the guy from Australia. That was the first and only bit that caught our interest. Yes. Was that, I forget what team it was, but they kind of randomly picked a giant rugby player. Was it the Cowboys? I think you're thinking because it was in. <laughs> just saying NFC teams now. But yeah, we did not pay attention at all, and then like the third day, I think it was the second to last round. It was only because it said was college, waiting. Australia. I was waiting for my pizza, that's the only reason. Mm. Um, the Eagles, I was right. Okay, second guess. Australian National Rugby League player, Jordan Mailata. Yeah, and it was unclear whether he knows what the NFL is or had any interest in playing. In the picture I took of it, it says he has never played a dip. He's never played a day in his life. Yeah. Never played an NFL, American football, a day in his life. So, mm-hmm. let's see how that goes. Um, the more interesting story that I only heard about later is Shaquem Griffin. Okay. Who is, got drafted by the Seahawks, only has one arm. Was born with a disease that made his, I think his left arm not form correctly. What position is he going to play? He's a linebacker. Was a great college player. And... Cool. Went in the third round, I think, and people are saying it's a steal because he would have been a first rounder if he had two arms. Why wasn't he a first rounder anyway? And he ran like one of the fastest 40 yard dash times. That's and, the thing I was asking about. Yeah. And the guy can bench press. 
with one and a half arms. Damn. So that's pretty cool. There was like this emotional video about it because his brother got drafted last year by the Seahawks. So the family was like praying that the Seahawks would be interested in, in this the guy. Way? Yeah, they took him. Just to be nice? No, they think he's going to be good. But um, I thought that was great because especially for like young kids with disabilities and things, like their last hero, Oscar Pistorius, murdered his supermodel girlfriend. So yes. that was a bit of a a low moment for yeah. for the Special Olympic crowd. Okay. And now they have a new hero. I think you meant to call it the Paralympics. Yeah. Um, That's what they were saying about the um, rugby dude. Is that he weighs like almost 300 pounds and he can run a really fast, whatever you said, 45. 40 yard dash. 40 and 5. 40 yard dash. Oh, but you called it something different. The 40. Sure. A 4.540, something like that. He can run under a 40 under 5. A sub 540. Sub 540. That's probably what they said. Sub <laughs> 540. <laughs> oh, uh, I've all said it off already. Hot takes. Um, my weird sport news for the week. You're not going to let me do a good news? Oh, sure. You said you didn't have any. I don't really have a good news, but my good news is just Janelle Monae's new album. Mm-hmm. I think I was a little late to her other albums because like, I enjoyed listening to them. She was under the radar, though. weren't like... I don't want to like listen to them the whole thing through over and over again as much. Mm-hmm. And this one, I do want to. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And I can't even pick a favorite song. From you it. love the pink. I do like pink. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable. What's the one where she talks about all the places she wants to get banged? Screwed. That's you my like favorite. that one. Yeah. Screwed. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite. It's good stuff. I played that for a chicken at work today. Okay, I thought you were gonna say children, <laughs> and I was concerned. No, a chicken. Hmm. A chicken named Bowie. Okay. <laughs> That's Thank my you for sharing. Um, weird sad news. The the ball basketball brothers are departing from Lithuania, which cancels out one one joke Soft from Keenan Thompson's repertoire. <laughs> um, so we'll see where they land next, but I'm sure SNL will have have something prepped. That still is the most I've ever seen you laugh, is that every single time he comes on the screen. <laughs> Okay, pivot to bad news. You said you had some serious oh, stuff. Layups, no dumps. <laughs> um, they're not actually. Never not smell like soup. Never enough band aids. Never. <laughs> um, two bad news is one of them more serious than the other. A kangaroo died at a zoo in China because guests were throwing bricks at it to make it try and move. I Did feel like the zoos story? in China are, like, really fucked up. Isn't that... Wasn't it China, the one that had dressed up a dog to As be a lion? lion? Yeah. Like, I would not go to a Chinese zoo. Hmm. Or the Great Zoo of China. Was that the book? Look yeah, it's the worst book. I can't even believe you mentioned it. Hmm. Now someone might try and read it. Don't... Let's talk about it on the podcast sometime. We could. I'm still angry about it. <laughs> I'm still angry about it. Is there a movie coming? It, no, there's not. Is there? I don't know. Oh, my God. I would lead the boycott for that. Actually, it would probably be a good movie. It was written like a bad movie script. Yeah. And it looks better than the new Jurassic uh, World. You were so sequ- sour video sequel on Jurassic thing. World. 
Yikes. Trailer. It just, the other trailers, they were just like, oh, we're just going to go save the dinosaurs from volcanoes. And there'll and this, probably be a T-Rex battle at the and end. And this it's... trailer just went off the rails with conspiracy theories. Like, it was four movies. And the dinosaurs are on the good side. They're like detectives they're trying like to help Chris Pratt. And they're training the dinosaurs. And then there's like an evil dinosaur that's trying to kill a little girl. Where did this little girl come from? She wasn't in any of the other trailers. Is this a different movie? Like, were there bad reactions to the first movie? So they just switched the whole plot to a different movie? Are you going to go or not? Um, I, it looks not good. Okay. I'm going to start holding you to some of these, these okay. stances. Let's not see it. Deal. It's recorded. It's in the archives. My other bad news that you just brought up is just Infinity War in general. Right. Which we're, we're not talking about this podcast. episode, but... I need a little time so that I'm not just either crying or yelling I've never quite seen you like that after a movie. I didn't think Marvel... I don't think I didn't think I cared enough about Marvel to care that much. Like I didn't think they owned enough of my soul to break it. That's very true for me. I did not feel anything during the entire movie. And I just still, two days later, feel like dejected and depressed from it. Okay. We'll get into it more. Next week we'll do it? Sure. Okay. We need to let more people see it because I will definitely be putting spoilers in there. Of course. I don't know if I can talk about it without spoiling some of the parts. Um do you have other bad news? A couple. Okay, because tech, tech sector. Um, did you hear about Amazon's new delivery method? Stealing puppies. No. Did you see those stories? No. There was the puppies are going to deliver. No, the Amazon delivery men are stealing people's dogs. Oh. More than one case of it. That checks there was out. A guy in the UK who actually emailed Jeff. Bozo, what's his name? <laughs> Just say Bozo's for now. <laughs> Jeff Bozo emailed him directly because apparently he like publishes his email. Yeah, same with Tim Cook. It's just Tim Cook at Apple.com. Yeah, it's not really Tim Cook. It's like 6,000 assistants. Right, and they pick one a day for him to read. Yeah, like when you, yeah. when you mail the president. Yeah. Or something. Um, anyway, the former president, I should say. He's still my president. <laughs> um, well, that is how it works. Like they continue to be president so-and-so. True. Um, you were anyways. talking about Amazon puppies. <laughs> so the really cute little puppy got stolen, uh -huh. and it was like the same day that he got a package. Mm -hmm. And he emailed Jeff Bozo himself, mm -hmm. and whatever whoever Give me back my puppy. Yeah, whoever the assistant was, like tracked down the driver. And, like, contacted the driver, and the driver said he didn't have the puppy. And this assistant drove to the driver's house and found the dog and, like, kidnapped it back. What a I weird story. I don't believe story. the end of that story, but... Yeah, that's supposedly the story. Just happened to be near Seattle or Washington? It was in the UK. Well, then it wasn't Jeff Bezos' assistant. One of his assistants. It got forwarded on. It's okay, like one gotcha. of his assistants. Yeah. I'm sure there's a Jeff Bezos at Amazon.co.uk sure, sure. as well. Gotcha. Um... So, yeah, like, went to the guy's house and tried down, like, re-dognapped the puppy and brought it back to the owner. And mm -hmm. now he's, like, highlighting other stories of when it's happened. The same thing. And this is a weird one because it wasn't like the, they'll come into your house and kill you, that whole thing. It wasn't like they had a key or anything. Right. Like, the guy just, just like, in picked the, yard. the locks. Yeah. Oh, in, it was an indoor puppy. An indoor puppy. Oh. He was meant to just leave the package and the guy, the owner of the house, came back in and his package was, like, inside his foyer instead mm -hmm. of, like, outside. So he's like, what the hell? And then his dog was missing. Puppies are a lot of work. I would have, if you're going to break and enter, get something good. Yeah, they're expensive though. You can sell them for a lot if it's a purebred puppy. Okay. Anyways. 
Um, so Amazon is going to give you the option to deliver to your car trunk is the other new news. Specifically partnering with certain cars with like the OnStar where they can unlock your car remotely. So now people are going to be stealing cars, not just puppies. Yeah, the explanation in the article I read was that... Like at work? This one specific mother is worried about the doorbell waking up her sleeping child, so she prefers getting diaper deliveries in her trunk. What? Yeah. Wouldn't her trunk car be in her garage? It's a very specific use case. Um, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, have you seen, like, the Amazon lockers thing? Well, every time you buy something, it says there's a hundred lockers near you. Do you want to use one? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what it was, and then I... I had to go to a 7-Eleven to get cash when I was in New York, mm-hmm. and there was all these Amazon lockers, and I was super confused Guess for about homeless it. people? I think it's like if you live in an apartment, and like they can't get your packages mm-hmm. in the apartment. It's easier for you to pick it up. Yeah, or like if... It, you Remember at our old apartment, like, it took like ages to get your package? Yeah, a three-day process once yeah. it's been delivered. Or I still don't understand how some mailmen get into apartment buildings and some don't. It terrifies me who has keys. But right. Anyways. And if you live in a communal apartment building and don't just want your Amazon package, like your new TV, just sitting outside. Yeah, that would be tough to fit into a 7-Eleven locker. They have some big lockers. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. There's some Narnia you know shit I'm going saying. back there. I'm, oh, I forgot to say something. I think that soon we'll have an Amazon original drama about stolen puppies from delivery men. No, I think they'll the pivot dr- that into no, the drama. It's going to be a hero story, unlikely hero story, and it's mm-hmm. going to be the assistant. Yeah. Like it turns two into a spy. Yep, like the movie Spy. Listen up, Bozo. We got the ideas. Yeah. What's his actual name? Jeff Bezos. Bezos. I'm going to keep calling him Jeff Bozo. Oh, can I be real a second? For just a millisecond. Yeah. But then I've gotten let the apple. How you feel a second? Has killed the airport. Um, do you mean airport, like a cloud air? Like, like no. air, drop no. air? That's, that's a thing though. Yeah. We have an airport in our house. Do you know what device it is? Take a guess. Apple TV. No, it's not mm-hmm. that. It's an airport. The router? Yes. You got it. Second guess. <laughs> okay. It's that very expensive router that I bought four different times and you always say, do you really need an expensive router? And I struggle to come up with an explanation for why. Yeah, and then you keep Other spending, our, spending our money on it. Yeah. Now I can't any longer. They discontinued it. So what's going to happen to the one we have? It's going to live forever. Until we move again and we get rid of it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm mildly devastated. Well, I still don't know the point of it. Well, otherwise you'd have to be using the Comcast router, which is shit, and I don't want Comcast... But, like, there are there managing are options between Comcast and Now we're going to have Apple. to, yeah. There's Target and Best Buy and... We're going to have to. Yeah. So, Apple kind of flubbed this whole thing because, as you were pointing out, your first thought was the Apple TV. They should have come out with a device that was a router, the backup device, which they did, but add in the Apple TV and add in the audio speaker that they've built now. It should have been one device. Instead, it was three and a half. They invented phones to be one device for all your things when you don't need them all in one device. I still maintain that I would prefer to have an iPod and my phone. Hmm. Okay, well, you can email timcook at apple.com. He'll bring back back the (laughs) shuffle for for you, the mini. It's for girls. Um, So, yeah, those are my news. I think I've gotten everything I have one more bad news, and it kind of leads into... Segway? It's a segue, a bit of a segue. I also have like a little bit of an intro thing that I suppose I can put into news. Anyways, 
bad news is that J.K. Rowling says there will be no more Harry Potter stories. That's bad news? For the millionth fucking time. Oh, you're saying you don't she believe her. She says this her. every time. And then she's like, oh, do you want to know more about Harry's great-great-great-grandson? Because yeah. I've got a really good idea. Maybe we should make it four fucking movies. And this one and might be gay. I swear, it might be gay. Yeah. Um... So I just am sick of like that being news. The bad news is that it's still news. Yeah. That especially because it's kind of taken like out of context. Like it was at like the Cursed Child premiere thing, and she was basically saying like there aren't going to be any more stories of like Harry's kids. Like Cursed yeah. Child is going to be the only one that's like the next generation. Like this was the one story she had in her mind for it. And then it's like Harry Potter. Um, Jake Rowling says no more Harry Potter stories. And it's like she's been saying that literally since she was writing book seven. She really frustrates me because I I kind of thought the Robert Galbraith Galbraith stunt was like a little weird, but I kind of respected her for it that she was like I'm going to totally flip the script and move away from that entirely but still be a writer. And also I can kind of see with her notoriety that she didn't want just any random publishing house to publish it just because she's J.K. Rowling and use that as the marketing like she wanted it to yeah. be a separate thing that wasn't all like the Harry Potter fans picking up everything. Yeah. I just don't even understand how she could possibly still be interested in that universe after it's been consumed and reworked by so many people in so many ways. Like I understand that she would still want to latch onto it because it is hers, but she sold out 25 different times. Move on. Do something more creative. She's a little bit of like the don't meet your heroes or don't let your heroes yeah. get a Twitter or something. Like, it's just awkward to be writing fan fiction about your own universe. That's and I haven't sad. seen Cursed Child yet, and I purposely have not read the book yet. Um, but yeah, that's what I've gathered from a lot of people, is it's like a like a bad fan fiction. Hmm. Like, very Potter, very Potter sequel did it better. Mm -hmm. And didn't name a and kid Severus, Alberus, yeah. Neverus. Um, speaking of which... A Hamilton sequel. No. Oh. Um, I did get the Hogwarts game. Yeah. This has become... And... Um, you should play on your iPad. Can you play on your iPad with a bigger screen? Possibly. Hmm. It's a sideways game, which really annoys me, but I guess that'd be better on my iPad. Yeah. It's, uh, it's different than I thought it was going to this be. Is this WB approved or not? Yeah. Hmm. It has she's playing points. right now. That's why she's It's distracted. like Harry Potter, like, trademarked. Yeah. Um, it's different than I thought it would be. I They were kind of advertising it, like trying to go off the Pokemon Go wave Ugh. and advertising that you'd have to like walk around and find shit. And I was like, I'm not doing that. You probably would have though. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Could you really imagine me like after getting out of work wanting to like drive around Minnesota and try and like find like fucking basilisks in a park somewhere? For like a week, yeah. Anyway. Um, I was... Not oh, that hit the ground. This is a real slow motion that of a baseball. Enhance. Um. So it's more of like it's more like the old video games that I used to play, the Harry Potter like PlayStation Lego. Lego no, no, Harry no. Potter. No, no, no. The actual one. The actual one. Yeah. Before the Lego games were a thing, I know you have a lot of disdain for Lego <laughs> games. Um. No, like the actual Harry Potter, like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, like you go through the whole movie. Right. Except this one is just meant to be, it's like its own plot that they've come up with. But it's very confusing to me because it is meant, like, 
it's like Dumbledore and Snape and whoever. Like, this is my same argument with Harry Potter World. Mm-hmm. Like, the magical, whatever it's called? The, uh, Wizarding the Wizarding World. world. Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Is that, like... I want it to be, like, the actual wizarding world as if I were to visit it right, right. now. First player like it, mode. Yes. It yeah. ruins the magic, literally, for me, when you go on the rides and, like, Harry and them are there, like, in their school uniforms and, like, Dumbledore's there. And it's like, yo, Dumbledore's dead. Everybody knows Dumbledore's dead. Right. These aren't students anymore. I just... Why can't it just be Hogwarts? Well, the one Harry Potter... The Harry Potter rides are good about that. They're like, here, you are in this environment. Let's move you through this. But you're right. It's not lined up with the end of the movies. Correct. Like, if you're in canon, like, time... Yeah. Like, it should... There shouldn't be characters who have been dead for... In canon time, like, 20 years. Right. But they were available to shoot the, uh, the footage. I guess. <laughs> Except not in the newer ride, because that's not Emma Watson's voice talking no. to you. Anyway, so, so... is this game, is it an open world, or it's, like, progressive levels? Progressive levels. Hmm. And you have to work through different classes. Like, you have to have different spell work that you do. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, a mystery that you're trying to solve. And then there's, like, some friendship modes. Like, you have to do certain things with certain people Sounds to... too much like real life. <laughs> to build the friendships and it's so it's a little bit like the old games where you're like going to classes and trying to figure out mysteries except like i don't know what the answer is going to be like it's not based on any of the books right. it's its own unique story is it time-based though because i see you kind of getting antsy that you need <sighs> to open it a certain amount of energy and but you need to sleep and like each of the lessons and stuff takes x amount of energy and the energy replenishes like every three minutes or something huh so you have to, that's the annoying thing is like, you can't, they want you to just like keep opening it and playing for two minutes at a time. It's not like a sit there and play for an hour kind of game, which I guess is a good thing that I don't feel like committed that I sit there for an hour, but it's irritating because I'd rather just play for a half an hour and do a bunch of levels and then come back later. Yeah. Whereas the way they have it set up because you run out of energy and you run with like 25 units of energy or whatever. Forces you to split it out. It forces of? you yeah. to split it out because you go and you use up your energy and you're not done the lesson yet and you only have an hour to complete the lesson so you have to keep checking back and it's very annoying. And what is its pay- cost structure? Pay structure? Um, it's free. You can buy more energy. Right. You can buy different robes. You can buy okay. like appearance upgrades and stuff like that. Freemium is the is the lingo. Sure. Okay. Um. So it's not as bad as I thought because I was afraid they were going to try and make it too hokey and make it be like, look, you're in a wizarding uniform mm-hmm. and like make you walk around and like... Augmented reality. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want like that kind of shit. So this is better than I expected, but it is just very irritating that I can't just like sit down and play it for 10 minutes. I have to... Because mm-hmm. we're poor. Which I'm just, it's just, you know that I've never paid for a game in my life. It's true. <laughs> so one of these days we're still going to do an offshoot podcast of Heather's best free Heather's shitty games. Free games. Uh, I'll never give up Wild West Pinball. No. I don't think I have it. Oh, <gasps> shit. I was playing it the other night. I gotta download it right now. Um, so another Harry Potter thing that I want to talk about segueing into this. Mm-hmm. Is that I was in New York two weeks ago for the Cursed Child opening. Right. was not at the Cursed Child opening. Did not even realize it was the Cursed Child opening when I booked the tickets there. And ended up, just by happenstance, on the day of the Cursed Child opening, going to see an off-Broadway unsanctioned parody instead. Mm-hmm. Called Puffs the Play. Or Seven Increasingly Stressful Years at a Certain School of Magic and Magic. <laughs> I believe is the full name. Um... So it is a very small production. Production, like in terms of people, or probably a hundred seats. Okay, in terms of the like seating, in yeah. terms of the seating, there's like 
maybe like eight rows and then there was like a limited balcony rows as well mm -hmm. um so very small but the tickets were pretty cheap i did use kind of a slightly sketchy ticketing service so they'd be cheaper and i had to meet someone wearing a red shirt in front of the theater to give me my tickets oh that sounds like a murder waiting to happen got them and they were cheaper and i just had to pretend to be kayla something or other nice um so i think it's just like a it's called today ticks it worked uh -huh. really well i think it's meant to just be like a StubHub specifically for Broadway shows. Sure. And better than StubHub, in theory. Because it's cheaper, not more expensive. Anyways, um, it was better, or it was more serious than I expected. Mm -hmm. Never slide into first base. <laughs> it's um, one of your pet peeves. It's never quicker and you could break your hand. It's happened before. We'll analyze it all on Fantasy Baseball Hour coming up. Not the best bunt either, but I guess I drew the first baseman off. That was the point. So it wasn't just a parody, ha ha ha. No, it was quite serious. So the point of it is that it's from the Hufflepuff's perspective. So from like the forgotten character's perspective. Named Hufflepuff's or no, just generic uh, some Hufflepuffs? Of both. Some of both. Okay. I'm like the main character and his two friends, like the... Um, the other trio, mm -hmm. the not golden trio. Got it. Um, they, the yellow trio maybe, since they're in Hufflepuff, they are not named. They're made up characters with okay. made up backstories. But like Cedric Diggory is in it, Justin Finch, Finch Fletchley, and Ernie McMillan, and Hannah Abbott, and Susan Bones, like named Hufflepuffs. You're giving sure. me a face. Like, I sure. believe you that those are names. Um, named Hufflepuffs are in it as well. Um, but it's meant to be from their perspective during Harry's era. Uh huh. So. And it's basically, like, the forgotten characters, the sad characters. Because it's often joked, like, what the hell was school like for those kids who right. weren't hairy, who their exams are getting canceled, and all of a sudden they have to go home because there's a giant snake yeah, on the like, loose. And then we just have seven normal years? Yeah, so that's basically the perspective no of these guys. Except the main character is, uh, also thinks he's going to be the chosen one because he's an orphan uh -huh. and gets sent to live with his uncle. And finds out he's magical. Uh -huh. So he, and he's very, like, um, genre savvy, if you will as they say, meaning like, he's like, oh, I must be the chosen one because I didn't know I was a wizard and I'm an orphan, so I must be the one that's going to save everybody. Got it. Like, he, he thinks, he like, you know, wears a Star Trek shirt, like, yeah. and wears like a Pink Floyd shirt and stuff, like, he's, he's looking to see how his life will fit into the story. Yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, I must be the hero because how, why else would I be pulled from, like, obscurity and be or an orphan and all of a sudden have magical powers? Yeah. So he thinks he's going to be the hero the whole time. And he has this friend who who is pretty good in it. She is a Hufflepuff, like, kind of against her will. And her mother was, like, one of the only dark Hufflepuff wizards who, like, worked mm -hmm. for Voldemort. And she basically doesn't want to be Hufflepuff. She wants to be tough and be Slytherin. And she doesn't want to just be, like, the leftover nice Hufflepuff or whatever. So they definitely, like, make fun of the Hufflepuffs a certain, to a certain extent. Yeah. Like, their um, rallying cry is, is third or nothing. Because <laughs> um, they're basically like, we're never going to be first. We're probably never going to be second. But we could not, not be, be last. last. That's pretty funny. So, like, third or nothing is one of their, like, hashtags or rallying cries or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple parts where it's like... Hufflepuffs, defensive formation, and they all go, we mean no harm. 
we would like to be your friends. <laughs> so every time danger happens, they get in these formations and it's like, we are nice Hufflepuffs. Please don't kill us. <laughs> so there's some like really funny bits of like very like making fun of like self-deprecating Hufflepuff mm-hmm. jokes. Um, and there's definitely a lot of... Um, making fun of the movies in particular. Mm-hmm. Some things from the book, like, I thought it was really funny that, you know how the mirror of Erised is desire backwards? Yeah. <laughs> um, they, instead of that, they just had weird mirror backwards. <laughs> so, like, there were some, like, funny little in things like that. But they also just made fun of the movies a lot. Like, in the, they went through the different years and there was, like, a narrator. And, um, like, third year... <laughs> Dumbledore was like, it is me, Dumbledore. I am the same Dumbledore from the last two years, right. even though I look totally different. <laughs> and then, like, in the fifth part, it was like, oh, we don't need to wear uniforms anymore, just because. <laughs> so they, like, made fun of a lot of, like, the weird movie discrepancies and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a lot of funny, like, little one-liners and in-jokes like that. Yeah. Um, but it was also really deep and sad. Like, when you focus on the Hufflepuffs, Cedric's death is, like, gut-wrenching like there's this one part where like Cedric's kind of like the hero because he's like the only cool Hufflepuff of all time he Um, got out he uh he was gonna make it in the world yes exactly so there's this one line that was just like don't worry after the third task I'll come and I'll help you with that something 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 Mm -hmm. and it's like you could be able to help you and then like he comes back and they're like Cedric he came back like why is he sleeping he's dead (laughs) And it's, like, really hard to watch. And then in the end, I'm going to spoil it, and I would recommend seeing it if you haven't already. It's going to be in theaters for, like, a limited run. Huh? It is, in theaters. Okay. Like, they're doing, like, a special showing night. It was, like... um, Like, in one theater. There's not a chance they're going to show a non... Like, in AMC theaters. Like, a one-night, one-showing thing in AMC theaters. Yes! A non-copyright rogue... Play. Yes. No, not yet. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm going to look it up and, t- and show you right now. Um, so, if you haven't seen it yet, if you're planning to see it, I'm going to spoil the ending a little bit. So, live at a theater near you. Like an outdoor screen that someone's going to set up no, in their backyard. No, two days only, May 9th and 12th at 1,200 screens across the country. Wow. Find a cinema near you. And there was one near us, because if I didn't get to see it, I was going to make you come watch it with me. Films live off-Broadway. Tickets on sale now. Okay. So it didn't offend JK as much as you would expect. Well, I mean, there was, within their rights of, of satire, they'd never mention... They mentioned some names, but even them, they're usually changed. It's like J. Finch Fletchley, not okay. Justin Finch Fletchley or whatever. And they literally call it School of Magic and Magic. Yeah. So I'm sure they use some of the words in the play, but... Okay. Anyways, um, so in the end, spoilers ahead, uh, in the final battle, the, the main... The Battle of Hogwarts. Yeah, the main character, Wayne, who was thought this whole time he was going to be the hero, he straight up dies. Obviously. He dies, and he goes to the place... It's like, like Harry should have. The place where Dumbledore is waiting for Harry, and has this, like, really... Like, heart to heart of, like, why? Why did this happen to me? Why wasn't I the hero? Why does no one care about me and my friends? Like, why does none of it matter? And then it's, like, this really deep... And, like, Dumbledore is basically, like, be the hero of your own story. 
Except then he's like, um, but I actually need you to leave because I'm kind of waiting for someone. Because he's waiting mm. for Harry. Wow. Like, it's rough. And then you go back and, like, he's actually dead and, like, he saved his two friends, but he died. That sounds, yeah, pretty intense. So it was a lot more serious and dramatic than I Did expected. Did you cry in an off-Broadway I cried. Parody? Oh, my God. <laughs> I cried. Oh, my God. Um, so I didn't expect to cry. Uh, it was definitely, like, a little bit hokey. Like, there were some jokes that I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But there was a lot of, like, funny poking fun at, like, the movies and different aspects of the book. And there was a lot of, like, Harry being like, it's me, Harry. And just, mm-hmm. like, he had these weird, like, I don't know if you call them cameos, but, like, kind of jumping in the middle of a scene sure. and, like, just being ridiculous and, like, everyone loves him and then he goes back to being in the background. So better than Darren Chris and Starkid? No. Ooh, I don't think so. Oh, you thought for a second. More cohesive because this is actually, like, off-Broadway and has yeah. been rehearsed because <laughs> uh, a very Potter musical, from all accounts, was, like, half put together by the time it was, like, a lot of it was, like, right. improv or half done or whatever. Um, so it's amazing, but it's amazing in its kind of um, casualness or... Slipshod. Yeah. Um, Slapshod. Anyways. Anyways. Okay. So we're going to continue with the theater. Theater, yes. Okay. Are you going to introduce our next topic? Sure. So that was a couple weekends ago. I was in New York. This past weekend we were in Chicago. Chi-town. Chi-town. Why isn't it Beantown if they have the big beach? Chisago. I still can't believe it. There's a town called Chisago, Minnesota. Not Chicago. Chisago. No, we passed and we went skiing that day. I believe you. Okay, um, so we went to see Hamilton in Chicago mm-hmm. for your birthday. That's true. Early birthday. Early birthday. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about it. I, know I want you to interview me, ask me questions. I know. Hmm. I was just going to say. Um, I want us to focus on the stage production and not like the the cast recording. Because yeah, because people, come on. Everyone's seen the cast recording and we've talked Heard about it, it plenty yeah. of times. Everyone is familiar with the cast recording. So I want to focus a little bit on the stage musical mm-hmm. and how the, the adaptation of seeing it on the stage um, changed some of your perspectives or viewing of it mm-hmm. um, or anything that like surprised you or whatever. So you want me to ask you questions? Because yeah. the other day you didn't want me to ask you questions You interview me. It. Go ahead. Okay. Um, first, I just want to know... If you preferred Act 1 or Act 2, because previously, listening to the cast recording, I preferred Act 1. When I saw it, I found Act 2 a lot more affecting. And I know you had the opposite effect. You liked Act 2 better from the cast recording. Yeah. Good question. Um, I got more excited watching Act 1, because I was like, wow, I'm really here. I'm really seeing it. They're actually, you know, singing the songs. Yeah. So I had more butterflies in Act 1 than Act 2. Okay. Just because of the the newness of it. Okay. Um, in terms of like, I mean, you want my overall thoughts about Act One versus Act Two? Sure. I mean, I like Alexander Hamilton mostly in Act Alexander One. Hamilton. And you're like, you're watching this heroic rags to riches story, and you're like, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. Act Two, I can't think of one thing he does. You know, that's a positive. I mean, the rap battles are great in terms of, like, his character. And obviously he's known for the Treasury and the Bank and the National Debt. But he is just deplorable 
in the second act. So, I still like the second act for a lot of reasons, but it's it's called Hamilton, but Hamilton is not a hero in the second act. What if it's but Eliza Hamilton? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. What... How did you feel about the characters that played more than one, um, the actors who the played actors. more than one characters? I know you were asking about that when you were listening to the cast recording as preparation. Right. So you thought I didn't know who all of the you dual roles were. You told me that you were. didn't really know. No, I pretty much knew. But that you were like confused about on the on the um, cast recording of like who was a little who bit sometimes. occasionally. So in terms of the. The uh, Chicago Troop. That's my next question. Yeah. So kind of leading into that. So the dual characters would be only one female one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Peggy slash Mariah. Mm -hmm. Peggy was great the way that she sang her opening and line. Peggy. And Peggy. Um, so I thought she was good both first half and second half. Um, now the three, the three amigos. Our Lafayette did not seem particularly committed to the French accent. Didn't seem to really be invested in that. I think he was just thinking about it a lot. I think yeah. He was maybe struggling a little with the French accent. But was a really good Thomas Jefferson. Yes, Had a, a lot of fun in the second half. Fantastic Thomas him. Jefferson. Like, what did I miss? He was, he actually like stopped to get audience applause. Yeah. I love Raised when they break the, roof, the fourth wall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really great in the second half. Um... Hercules. Hercules Mulligan. I need an introduction when you knock me down. I can yeah. back up again. I had seen him do that line in the, the Tony Awards right. when they did Yorktown. So I think I think the original guy blows it, you know, out of the out of the water. Yes, soak. Um so this guy was fine as Hercules, but second half, like I finally understood the character of Madison. That yep. was one of my biggest takeaways from the cast recording is that I didn't get what his character was supposed to be doing. His comedic timing as Madison was yeah. spot on. Yeah. And this guy was like a little short dude, the guy in the Chicago show. And so it kind of like worked with that geeky um, motif more than with Hercules kind of being presented as this big, loud, brash voice. Yeah. So I have no idea, you know, what size those people were in real life, but it worked better in the second act for him. And then Lawrence. John Lawrence, I've never felt a huge emotional connection to him, but I thought the guy in Chicago played him really well in the first half. You weren't sad about that surprise scene? So that was a surprise. I'm a little, a little confused about why it's left out of the cast recording. I know it's because it's like one of the few parts that's not really sung, but it's like only 60 seconds. To be a surprise. Is that why? I think so, but it's hmm. also not sung. See... It was a surprise, but it more just baffled me in listening to the recording because I was like, Lawrence talks about like risking his life in the duel, but it doesn't sound like he got shot. So how, why does he disappear? And obviously, you know, the stage version explains it. So he was very good in the first act, was just a little too tall to play Hamilton's son because Hamilton was a little diminutive guy in yeah. in our in our cast, Miguel Cervantes. Yes. Um, so yeah. So do you have any thoughts about the casting in general um, in the Chicago one? I struggled a little bit with it not being the original cast. Not to be like, I saw the original cast, but I struggled a little bit with that. But you actually were pleased with that, you told me? I was pleased because... 
having listened to the cast recording enough, not that I felt like I could picture it all, but I was like, I got, I got how they did the show. I understood it. And my biggest concern walking into the theater was that they were going to try to do a like syllable for syllable like table, read. table read of it. And they did not do it at all. From the very first line, Burr came out and I was like, oh, the way he's talking, like, is he like telling us where the bathrooms are? Like at the start of the show? Cause he was like doing it so kind of like nonchalant. Mm-hmm. Whereas Leslie Odom Jr. is just such a great singer that he sings everything in his bravado kind of. It also, like even the original cast is a little bit different on stage than versus like in a That's sound what you booth. explained to me that the recording was recorded in a booth so they it sounds different. Like the inflections of when they're playing off each other on the stage and it, it does sound more like a conversation mm-hmm. when you're watching even the original cast do it because it's a live stage show. It's not them in a booth recording it over and over until it's perfect. Right. But I agree with you that they definitely made it their own. They had their own kind of takes on it. Can I interject a little bit here? Sure, go for it. Um, having seen most of the original cast, I did not see Leslie Odom Jr., I saw Sydney something, um, who was a little rough in the first half Hmm. and, like, knocked it out of the fucking park in the second half. The rumor it happened still gives me fucking chills every time. That one is so good. Um, and that was not one of my favorites on the, on the cast recording. Yeah. And live, it's just amazing. But, um, this Burr, I thought, played it a little bit sadder. Yeah. A little bit more beaten down or run down. Yeah, he's a little bit pathetic. He's not... I thought the um, original cast played it a little angrier and more frustrated, and I thought this Burr played it a little bit, like, sadder and um, dejected and frustrated in a different way, I guess. And I thought this Hamilton was... We talked about it a little bit. Maybe not quite as charming as Lynn Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, natural charisma or stage presence, but he played Hamilton very angry and very, like, desperate and a bit in-your-face and aggressive more than Lynn did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it really worked the way this Hamilton and Burr balanced off of each other. I think that in the cast that I saw, Hamilton's a little bit sadder and Burr was a little bit angrier, mm-hmm. and I found the balance different in, these, in this show, but it still worked. Like, it still... They still antagonize each other the, the correct amount. Right. And, and balanced or imbalance each other. And in terms of stylistically, this Miguel Cervantes guy can really, really sing. Yes, he had a tremendous voice. Right, because one of the things that scared me off from the album the first bit was Mr. Lin's nasal, nasal effect. Doesn't bother me, but I know it bothers you. So I give Lin dap for the rap bits because this guy was overmatched in that regard yeah but it was it was just kind of a breath of fresh air to hear some of the hamilton parts being sung you know in a more classic musical theater voice yeah a little bit um and yeah i told you right at intermission that i really liked the burr that we had because he just enunciated everything so clearly and as we know I hate all musicals that, that are... That going to be my next question. ...that are situated as really just operas So you hate English. a rock opera. Yeah. Tell us about your thoughts. So, um, so Hamilton doesn't really classify because of its hip-hop vibes, which means not everything is like 
It's spoken word poetry. Half yeah, the time. thank you. That's what I'm More trying to say. Yeah. Um, still, sometimes I'll say, why not just say that line rather than singing it? But anyways, so this Burr I really liked because he spoke so clearly and he wasn't, you know, too occupied trying to sing everything melodically. Um, so I felt like it came across well and it was able to tell the story. Um, there you go. And yeah, it wasn't distracting at all. So I was on board with it. Cool. Um, did you have any thoughts on the stage itself? Um, not particularly. I mean, the circle, the circle bit is really impressive. My biggest question was, is that on automatic control or is I someone don't think clicking so. a button? I assume there's a stage crew person that's okay. controlling it. Okay, I give big credit to that person then because there's a lot of shifts in rotations. I give a lot of credit to the cast for not getting dizzy and not tripping and over it in on costumes. And it, like, yeah. Yeah. So that part's really cool. The staircase, I don't know, I had trouble deciding what to focus on was one issue I had. I had that too, but I think that's going to be kind of any musical. Sure. Um, but a lot of them, there's a lot of cast members, main cast members in each song, so there's a correct. lot to look at. And there's a decent amount of people in the chorus too, so there's a lot of activity on stage, and usually on a lot of the big numbers, there were like three or four people just standing on the balcony, Yeah. whether they were participating or not. Um... How did you feel about the, like, interpretive dance, background dancers in, like, all white? Yeah, it was... The dancing was a little strange in some situations. It wasn't, like, a typical musical with, like, big tap dance numbers or anything. That's why I called it interpretive dance. Right. Um, so it was fine. I guess it didn't really take away from it, but I didn't really feel like it added to it much. I think if you... It's one of those, like, kind of optical illusions that if you look at it, it doesn't look that cool, but if it's, like, out of the corner of your eye, it adds some really cool motion to have, like, the white yeah. background. But I think it's super effective in some of the, like, the duels, like, the way they do, like, the bullets, or, like, the way they yeah. kind of use some the of the part was backup cool. dancers as almost props versus people. Mm-hmm. Um... Did you have a favorite and a least favorite number? Well, I was going to say, in relation to some of what we've been talking about, one of the biggest enjoyments from the album to the show would be The King. Because the, the first dude. time you hear The King songs, you listen to the album, you're like, wow, that's really funny, that's really clever. Awesome, wow. And then they get a little bit old. They age less well than some of the other songs on the album. Especially because they're so repetitive, too. And that's the point. They're all... It's a Beatles song. Right. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> Have you um, looked at the Genius page for, for Hamilton at all? Is that a shout-out to Elizabeth? Yeah, she wrote the whole thing, basically. Um, so, the King's... First of all, his outfit is just hilarious. Mm -hmm. And the way our guy just... So ostentatious compared to, like, the rebels and... Yeah, I thought you had told me at one point that the king only stood on the upper part of the stage and sang no, all his songs. I did not tell you that. So he, the way he struts around and the way our guy sang some of the songs where I was like, this song's not going to make me laugh. And yet I was cracking up throughout it. Just subtle pauses or little stage cues and different intonations were really, really fun. And, like, that he thinks he's the narrator. Yeah. So then the best part of the show, my favorite part in Act 2 has always been the Reynolds pamphlet. Yeah. Oh! We're at the end of our... They can't hear that, can they? Yeah, they can. Oh. We'll just dance to this part for a second. 
our neighbors into doing the same thing. Um, never gonna be president now. Never gonna be president. That's one last thing. Don't worry about. Um, so I was like, I was like sitting through all the infidelity. I was like, it's a, it's gonna be worth it. I'm gonna get to the Reynolds pamphlet, and then having. Spoiler alert, the king stays up on stage for part of Act 2. He pulls up a stool to yeah. watch what happens. Yeah. And he starts by, like, bobbing his foot along to the... Do, 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 do. And so that part was funny. And then he just goes for it during the Reynolds pamphlet shit show. So yeah. that was really funny. And Reynolds pamphlet is just hilariously just a hot mess on stage. Yeah. Everyone's literally just running around throwing pamphlets <laughs> and dancing on tables. Hmm. And then Washington comes in and looks disapprovingly. And then, like, all the way from London? Damn. Mm. That's a good line, too. Um, so was that your favorite? That, li- like, lived up to your hype yeah. or exceeded your expectations? I think so. Was there one that disappointed you? Um, or just, like, didn't really add much to you compared to the cast recording? Well, for me... The the love stories between Hamilton and the Schuyler sisters, like, I was emotionally invested in them, like, the fifth and sixth and seventh time I listened to the album. That's when it really hit hit me. Yeah. And in this one, there wasn't a ton of chemistry between the actors, I didn't feel. Um, That's where, like, Lynn's, like, the fact that he just exudes charm mm-hmm. was uh definitely a benefit for the relationships right because you could see how like everyone in the room would be attracted to him Mm -hmm. and i think this guy was a little bit more subtle yeah which especially where our seats were did not lend to like we couldn't see their facial expressions all that well Mm -hmm. so it didn't really lend to like believing in their love story for those people not the songs right so some of those had been my favorites on the album and i was just kind of like oh they were nice but i wasn't like my heart wasn't like pounding during them like satisfied is still one of my favorites the way they mm-hmm. stage it they rewind, but, but yeah. like helpless was a little flat for me on this one mm-hmm. um this eliza i didn't think really caught her stride until the second half i thought she was excellent in take a break and burn and those burn, ones you love you some burn oh, i do like burn a lot and then there's that did you listen to the first burn song yet what do you mean the first Are you even on twitter no <laughs> <laughs> You had a funny comment for Twitter the other day, and you told me to tweet it, and I didn't. Yeah, we got to save that for next week. It's in day one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, So, Lynn has been doing Hamel Drops, like, once a month, releasing, like, an un... Um, a previously unreleased, um, Um. like, demo or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, his very first draft of Burn, he released, and it's very angry. It's, like, Eliza's first reaction, whereas in Burn, it's kind of intimated that it's a little bit later and she's still angry it's still angry but it's a little bit more like calculated cold anger like i'm getting my vengeance on you you're on the couch boy (laughs) sure um this one is like straight away reaction like as soon as ronald pamphlet comes out Mm -hmm. hot temper anger yeah and um the best line is like something to do with um, your enemies whisper so you feel like you have to scream. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about whispers, I know what you what they say about you and my sister. Ooh. Damn. 
Wow. So there's some really good lines in there of mm -hmm. um, her being super angry, her saying she knows about the other women the whole time, and that, like, you know, he's, that they were whispering about him, so he ruined everything and had to, like, scream louder than them, and it's, like, it's fierce. Did she know the Tomcat got named after him? Hmm? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right, so was there anything else that you noticed about the stage play that kind of, like, stuck out to you or added, you know, added value compared to the cast recording? Um, no, but it made me appreciate all of the interwoven bits a little bit more. And so I guess I kind of wanted to summarize just by saying, even though I do poke fun at Mr. Man Manuel Miranda, um, is that his total last name or just Miranda? Lin-Manuel is his first yeah. name. Just Got like it. It is a work of genius. I'm, I'm okay to admit that. Yeah. Mostly out of jealousy is all of my, my, um, uh, poking fun at it. Um, and it just got me thinking about what we, what we were talking about back in, um, The Hate You Give, about wh why would this book not be read in school? Like, replace some old books with something a little bit more current. Yeah. I, can I tell you a secret? Can I share a secret on the podcast? Sure, anybody. I don't really like William Shakespeare. Yeah. I've never read or seen a show except for Drunk Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever seen. Um, Shifei Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, where I was like, "That's ten, that's genius." Ten that's... things I hate about you. Okay, so an adaptation. But anyways, you know what I'm getting at. Yes. That, like, I hope in 15 years, I don't know if they teach it in social studies class, but maybe in English class, this would be the a play to read or to listen to. Yeah, or to the watch. motifs and the yeah. rep reprises and the yeah. Yeah. I still, and, you know, my father, I have to represent my father a little bit here, who hates Hamilton. And you made him read that whole Ron Chernow book. You bought it for him. I said your dad would probably hate that, and you said, let's buy it, okay. and we did. Um, I just, just getting back to some Hamilton complaints, especially with the second act, mm -hmm. I, I don't, my heart doesn't swell when they say he's the forgotten founding father, and who's going to tell his story? I knew in elementary school and middle school that Alexander Hamilton equaled National Bank's national debt treasury secretary. Shot in a duel. Shot in a duel. I knew more about him, I think, probably than Madison, even Adams, who was a president, and some mm -hmm. of the other early presidents. So I don't, I don't feel a ton of sympathy that he was forgotten or that he deserves to be remembered significant more than he was. And I know that you also think that he's not maligned enough in the second half. That he still played off as too sympathetic. A little bit, yeah. Um, and my also other beef is that everyone is an immigrant in the seventeen in the seventeen hundreds. Yeah, but where you're from as an immigrant is the problem. I know. Everyone's an immigrant. He wasn't a wealthy immigrant. He wasn't a British immigrant. I understand. And okay. it's also when you immigrate immigrated. Those are my Hamilton thoughts. Anyways, um, was it worth the exorbitant price that we paid on StubHub? Sure. You told me we had to see it in a in-residence cast. I know you're still taking offense to that. I'm sure Broadway across America will be great as well. <laughs> but um, I don't. I just want to see if I had any thoughts. A couple of things that I noticed this time that I didn't notice the last time, or that were maybe played a little bit different. Um was 
the the king actually was funnier in this. Well, I don't want to say that because Jonathan Groff was the original king and he was his own type of funny. Sure. This king like played it up even more, and that was really funny. I also really appreciated this time like the Greek chorus aspect of it, where it's like the background chorus unnamed characters are like giving their inputs mm-hmm. a lot. Um, particularly, I noticed it in Satisfied, which is one of my favorites, which I was paying extra close attention to when he's flirting with her originally and kisses her hand the whole like chorus goes <gasps> and gasps uh-huh. it was a really cool moment and i thought they had a lot of really cool silence in the second act in this one hmm. which i noticed which i thought was really cool like during burn and during um the world was wide enough for both of us there was like these really long pauses where like you could hear everyone in the theater like on the edge of their seats like waiting for it so i thought they used these really like pauses very well mm-hmm in, in live theater also. Um, yeah. So would you recommend it? That's usually how you end <laughs> our segments. <laughs> yes, I think everyone already knows that I would recommend it. Okay. I'm going to give us about five minutes to talk about ice skating. The people have missed our ice skating updates, I'm sure. Yeah, it's hot as balls in this house right now, so I'm not, <laughs> not in an ice skating mood. But So while in Chicago... While in Chicago? How yeah. do I usually say in that? In suburban Chicago. <laughs> Not even Chicago. Chicago no, we is were a strong in a, word. a minor league hockey arena <laughs> yes. in the western suburbs. In just suburbs. a large parking lot. The parking lot was yeah. bigger than the arena. Humongous. Very strange. Um, and hey, don't make me pay for parking for Stars on Ice. That okay? was bullshit. We should have just parked at Target. Oh my god. Um, Stars on Ice 2018. Second row. Your hubby went all out. Double A. Yeah. <laughs> That was the name of it, yeah. <laughs> um, or is it ten bucks more than the bad seats? Yeah. Um, so if you're not familiar with the competitive ice skating world, Stars on Ice is like what they force the Olympic ice skaters to do after trying to make a little bit of money off of their Olympic fame. <laughs> yes, and it worked because I was very excited to go. Mm-hmm. We were late, partially my fault. The crowd was like eighty percent little girls. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, 50% Asian. Yep. Um, so, weird crowd. Because in front of us were two little girls, so we're obsessed with Brady to now. Yeah. And then next to them were two drunk, belligerent women that I almost had to punch in the face. Whew. Real close. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed, like, every second of it. It was really the best. I mean, okay. First of all, you have to see good ice skaters live. Yes. This was the first time I'd ever done it. I'd been to a few amateur shows when I was younger, and we knew uh, neighborhood people in it. Um, seeing it live, seeing it from the second row. Seeing a quad, like, right in front of you like yeah. that, it's defies physics. You want to hear, like, a really weird thing? Yes, go. Um, it reminded me of a Shamu show. Are you crying? You've never no. felt like that before. No. I, not not emotionally. Emotionally a little bit. But more like technically. Okay. First off, because they shut off the lights when each actor would exit or enter. Mm-hmm. Very similar to how in those whale shows, like, you don't know when they're coming through the gates exactly, but you can kind so of see. anticipation level. Yeah. And also, like you were saying, the quads, like, the reaction in the crowd and the reaction within your own body is just like when two whales jump out of the water together. Like, that should not be possible. Like, yeah. defies physics. And you're not exactly sure when it's going to happen. And then it's there, and then it's over. And yeah. you're like, whoa. So that was the only thing I, I could compare I literally have you to. on video going, whoa, yeah. after one of the quads. Yeah. Like, it was involuntary, like, whoa. 
Um, especially because, yeah, we had really good seats. And Nathan Chen, I did not really get it on TV mm-hmm. when they were, like, mm-hmm. building him up. Damn if I get it now. Yeah. He was good. And his face just throughout the whole performance. Like, the expressions yeah. and just the way he moves his body. And, like... I'm doing it right now. You can't say <laughs> it at home, but... Like, he's hot. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. He's very talented. He can dance. He did that doubles number, the pairs. Right. So let's let's oh set the gosh. stage a little okay. bit for people. So there was a mixture of things going on. Some people did Yeah. Some people did their actual routines that you would have recognized from the Olympics. Well, a lot of them did. Yeah. They were all the more fun one of the two, the one with more lyrics or more modern songs. Yeah. Some people did their exhibition skate. Yes. Which is like done after every big tournament as, like, the big hurrah, and it's yeah. just for fun. There's usually a couple jumps, but not big jumps. Yeah. Then there was some ad-libbed, probably stuff done <laughs> over, like, two rehearsals yeah. a couple months ago. Um, so those were some of the worst, <laughs> but some of the best as well. The best was Adam Rippon. <laughs> right. So one of these starts, and it's the song One is the Loneliest Number. Yeah. And it's him with the ship sips. Uh, and so the ship sips are off in the dark, and a spotlight comes down on center ice, and Adam Rippon is, like, five meters away from it, and I was like, ooh, wow, this is really creative. Like, it's starting, one is the loneliest number, and there's no one in the spotlight. This is really cool. Really avant-garde. And then you hear skates shuffling along the ice, Slowly and Adam shuffles sideways along the ice. <laughs> he doesn't the- skate there. He, like, shuffles sideways, like, parallel stepping, and then makes this funny face and steps into the spotlight. <laughs> and it was hilarious. So it was great because, obviously, these are all just amateur kids. Like, they're not... They're not even, like, Disney show on ice train. No, they're not professional. Literally, no. they're not professionals. That's the whole point so of So they were just having fun. Their faces were just having a ball throughout it all. Adam Rippon... I'm sure was hung over every night of the tour. And must be getting some ass. Yeah, so, but he was still high energy, still brought it. Um, what's her face? Ashley Wagner. Ashley Wagner. Everyone talks shit. She was there to put on a show. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, that must be what it's like when there's no pressure for you to be in the Olympics anymore. Right. Because she we only saw two people it. fall total, I think. Two yeah. falls, not bad ones either. And it was because they were attempting real jumps. Yeah. Um, Ashley Wagner killed it. And um, you were saying, what? Charlie White and Meryl Davis. You were shit-talking them ahead of time. Oh, who wants these I just remember people? not liking them the last Olympics. Yeah, you fell in love with ice dancing, though, and now it's all... I know. And that one that did the Sia one with the elastic heart with the, like... They um... had a big ribbon. Yeah, it was amazing. And you were going to talk about um, the part where they did the... Um... The Ed Sheeran song. Yes. Which I hated on the radio for a year, and then all of a sudden ice skating has made me like only listen to the beat, and I'm actually okay with it. Um, so anyways, they had three couples on there. Ship, not Ship Zips, because it was sexual, so you had the Ship Zips. So you had Charlie and Meryl. Yeah, and fucking Madison and... Yeah, and Zach. And then... Can you have a more annoying American names than Madison and Zach? Right. And then they threw out Ashley Wagner with Nathan Chen to do... Semi ice dancing. I'm still like fanning they were like tangoing and stuff on yeah. ice. Nathan Chen can move that body. Mm-hmm. They were amazing. How does he do pairs? Yeah, in he addition just to everything else, or just ice dancing. And they had props for that. I was very worried when I was going to fall off those stools while on ice skates. That did not seem safe. 
And so then we get towards the end of the show. Yeah. After intermission. Yeah. And they had some weird intros for some of them where they would have video clips or people talking about their performances. And then they had that one with all the guys in hats that I could have done without the JT one, Justin Timberlake song. So then they play a Nathan Chen video clip. Yeah. And he's, he's confronting the Olympic discussion. And you nearly lost. And I said, I said, he's talking about it and he says how poorly the short program went, but how he came back in the long program. And I was like, huh, his long program was all like classical, like ballet music. I'd be surprised if he does six minutes of that. But I was like, there's no chance in hell that he would do the short that program short with program. Benjamin Clementine music. He could not possibly listen to that song. I think, I think your comment song. was, if he does this, I'm out of I here. I said, if I hear that song, I'm going to throw up and leave. Yeah, that's what he said. And then all of a sudden, it goes, bum, 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 bum. And I was like, no, he's not going to do I it. I literally was holding you down in the seat next to next He did to it. Me. We are the only people in history to witness Nathan Chen make it through two and a half minutes of that song without... Plainly. With hitting quads. the ice. Uh, he did one, maybe, maybe. I think a he did two quads. Um. So that was like the most inspirational moment of and that my was weekend. Like a lot of catharsis for you. Yeah. And closure for you. Yeah. Because I know you. I been wasn't going to be able to move on. From You've that. been struggling. Um. What else was really good? Well, I, you got some um of your favorite mu- second favorite musical at the end. I was going to say I liked Wicked. I don't oh. know. If that's my second. That's not I my was, second no, no, favorite. I'm talking about. We can't do the ending yet. We're not doing the ending yet. Okay. Um, Mariah Nagasu, I really liked her Wicked routine, mm-hmm. and I really liked her, um, Queen one that she did at the very beginning that we couldn't see very well. I, Brady Snell is just, like, not my kind of skater, so. She's, the, the, she's there for the little she's princess the princess. girls. Yeah. She's the princess, and it's just not what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. She's fine. Um, I really liked the Dua Lipa song that, um, Karen Chen did. Mm-hmm. Put that on my on my phone. Um, Adam Rippon was he looked at me one time. Sure he did. He did. Uh, most people were looking at the little girls in front of me, but Adam and I like make He's exchange probably eye checking contact. me out. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, I'd be fine with that. By the way. Um. And what else did I really like? There was one other one. Oh well, yeah, so say. Adam did his exhibition. He oh, did I really like Nathan Chen's exhibition one. Yep. It's hot. And the Ship Sibs did their cold play I, and a couple I, other they ones. They just look so happy when they dance. Yeah. They just exude joy. I was a little bit upset that Madison and Zach did Janelle Monet because I really like that song. But, mm-hmm. like, meh. I don't care about them at all. But, and also the Ship Sibs did some solo skating, which obviously is easier than they doing did? it in reverse. But, yeah, like, they went off and did their own on some, oh, of, the like with some of the group numbers, too. Yeah. Um, the final number made me cry. Mm-hmm. Dear Evan Hansen. They did. Have you cried, like, Every at every entertainment event in I the past two weeks. Didn't cry at weeks? the Cubs game. Uh, it's too cold to do he that. Almost cried at the Cubs. Put game. fucking gluten free marks on your menus, Chicago. Wrigley Field. Yeah. Z snap. Um, did we throw away that pizza? Yet? W snap. So no, it's in the that pizza. W snap. That's funny. Thank you. Um, so they ended it with um, the Dear Evan Hansen song. Um, You're not alone. You, you will be alone. found. You will be found. Mm. Um, I cried. It was beautiful. And they had it, instead of having like the, if you're familiar with the song from that musical, there's like some talking kind of bits. So instead of like the talky bits from the show, they had fan videos, which was like, meh, didn't work so great. Yeah. But the actual, like all of them skating around like semi in sync to this really intense song. 16 skaters on a hockey rink. 
Like, I mean, they do it in hockey, but they run into each other continuously. On purpose. Yes. The scariest thing we didn't talk about was the intermission with the Oh my god, kids. they brought out the little Mighty Mites version for ice skaters, and it was literally 60 people. Yes, and they were trying to Weaving! Do weaving! <laughs> they were trying to do this, like, marching band thing, where you... Remember we used to do that in marching band? You one, step one, through. yeah. Yeah, they tried to do that while ice skating with, oh like, my god. Them, like, ages 6 to 16. I puked several <laughs> times during this show. <laughs> Um, anyway, so they ended it with this lovely You Will Be Found number, and then they came around and, like, the little girls in front of us, like, sh- um, high-fived Brady now, mm-hmm. and they, like, lost their damn minds. Um, uh, it was lovely. Mm-hmm. It was really, really cool. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. Even better, actually, because I kind of thought that they, I didn't, I thought they might have, like, one group number to open and close, and then it would just be, like, some individual stuff. I was impressed that they had tried to be creative and have some weird groups and... Yeah. I mean, it was two and a half hours of routine after routine. Like, they took one intermission, but otherwise it was song like, after song. how do song. the skaters keep doing that all the time? Because they have a lot of dates, too. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm it's still just... confused about how Mariah and Adam are doing Dancing with the Stars The day well. after, even though they're going to be in Minneapolis in a day yes, now, tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's just, if you like skating at all, and you like music at all, like, it's just two and a half hours of bliss. And it's like, Plus fun, some pop mu- <laughs> fun pop music. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like a combination of, like, competitive ice skating and, like, Disney on ice. Yeah. Like, it's meant to be, like, fun and fun songs that you recognize and can sing along to, and, like, some kind of, like, silly routines and stuff, like, they definitely didn't take it too seriously, but also just, like, fucking great skaters. And we should go next year because there'll be less interest because it wasn't an Olympic year, but it'll be probably some of the same, and we'll get front row this time. And I wonder time. if they'll have new, um, some new routines. Oh, definitely. They'll all have new exhibition and new competition. Yeah, ones. so it was like, the little kids think it was for them. They're wrong. It was for me because that was all the music that I enjoy. <sighs> and it was exactly what I wanted it to be. I enjoyed it myself heartily. I think we need to switch this to an ice skating only podcast. That was okay. so much fun. Okay. I have so many upcoming things. So I have this so many. This is going to be a long a podcast. Round. I have so many upcoming things too. Can I okay. say my first one? Back and forth. You go first. Leah Michelle was on a talk show. Mm-hmm. Because her and Darren's date sold so well, they're adding more dates to their tour. Shocking. So I hope that so they come more to nights that they'll spend together. I hope. Stop. I hope that they'll come to Minneapolis so we can go. Okay. I'm up. Um, Jungle Cruise, going to be a movie. Yeah, I already knew about that. We already talked about this. We did. Do you know who the stars are? Dwayne Johnson. And? Emily Blunt. No, male. Your least favorite person from Friday Night Lights. Married to Kristen Dunst. Ew, no, Landry. He is going to be battling The Rock. I don't think I can watch it. Go. Um, That's one of my favorite Disney rides. You know that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Tough to stretch a lot of puns into a movie, but Disney can do it. Yikes. Um, Crazy Rich Asians. I still mm-hmm. need, think I should pr- maybe read the book first, but I really like Constance Wu, and there's been like a full-length trailer for it, and it looks really good, and I'm going to see it. Talk about a Quiet Place sequel. we got to talk about that sometime. Yay or nay? Nay. Yeah, correct answer. Um, have you watched any of the Genius series on Nat Geo? No. Their next one is Picasso. Which I'm actually really interested in because I, when I was in Spain, I saw some really cool Picasso museums and original Picassos and stuff. And I was like interested in them. I took an art history class in Spain. And Is Picasso the one who has lived closer to our era than most people think? Was he in like the 1800s or the 1900s? Um, one of them is like a lot more Picasso. modern than people assume. And I forget if it's him. Pablo Picasso. 
Yes, he died in 1973. There you go. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Like you've ta- you mentioned his name, and I and my instinct says 1670. He was born in 1881 and died in 1973. Wow, long life, Pablo. Mm-hmm. Life of Pablo. Maybe that's the Kanye record. And I still am upset that I never got to see Guernica because I went to see it in Madrid, and the museum was closed that day. And I've you have terrible luck. If you ever want to really go to a museum, do. don't bring Heather. Don't do it, or look it up well in advance. And make sure it's open. But still, don't bring her. Hey. Um, Picnic at Hanging Rock six-part Amazon miniseries, yay or nay? Oh, are they going to do something different with it, or are they straight? They said they're going to stay more true to the book than to the movie, but it's going to be filmed in Australia. Mm. Doesn't seem necessary. Does anyone care about that anymore? Amazon's banking on it. Um, Amazon, the, people in Australia don't even have Amazon. <laughs> they, they can get the streaming one, but yeah. Um... The Bold Type, which was my, like, um, you know, I always need some sort of CW, ABC Family type show yeah. in my in my repertoire. Um, that comes back in June, so they're actually doing a second season of it. There's There was a lot of drama about the showrunner, though, so I'm interested to see if there's if it's significantly different from the first season. We'll see. Uh, how many more do you have? I have one very serious one. Four. You rattle some off. Um, I'll go last. Star Trek Four. Next! <laughs> it's going to be directed by a woman. Didn't Chris Pine die? No. Oh, God. Um, do you not remember the ending of that movie? There was another movie after that movie. Okay. Um, it's going to be directed by a woman. It's going to be some sort of time travel plot where uh, Chris Pine goes back and meets, not selling me and meets his father, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I've already... I, haven't I seen that one? No, the beginning opens with Chris Hemsworth oh, as his father. God. Anyway, so I'll see it with someone else. I'll see it with Elizabeth. Um... Oh, I have two more, that's all. You want me to do my two more? Yeah, They're yeah. related. They're two, like, entertainment-type shows, which I'm not usually a big proponent of. Not, like, of. reality shows. No. Okay. Um, Busy Phillips, who I follow on Instagram, is getting her own late show. Okay. Busy Tonight, it's called. And I think I would watch it. I'd love to have a late-night show that I could put on and not groan at. Yeah. So I think we should give her a yeah. shot. Because she's pretty funny on Instagram. She is a little too prolific on Instagram sometimes. Like, I don't always have time to, like, listen to ten minutes of her, like, talking about her day. Um, but... Back when I was on Instagram, you looked at pictures for a few seconds and that was it. Okay, Grandpa. Um, she... I think she is pretty funny and pretty real. So I'm interested to see where that goes. And the one podcast that I have listened to probably the most is The Lady Gang. Mm-hmm. I've been falling on a little bit out of being interested in. It in used to be reading. years behind. Are you? I'm still like a year behind, okay. um, because I haven't been listening to it as much. Partially, I think I realized because we're back in America. Mm-hmm. Like I listened to it a lot when we were in Australia to try to get an attachment to a l- pop culture a little bit, and, and now I just feel like it's it, it's not as interesting to mm-hmm. me. Anyway, so they, I still like I still enjoy their dynamic and listen to them on occasion, and they are getting a TV show on Entertainment Weekly. Okay, um, not Entertainment Weekly. Sorry. Eat, entertainment tonight so they can finally shut up about not having acting jobs possibly not having Good. paid jobs um so i will have to see how often the show is and how long it is and what the format is but i'm interested in in not uh, watching that all right what's your serious okay one? so my last serious one on this podcast we talk a good deal about racial issues mm-hmm. feminist issues mm-hmm. um equity in general yeah say. Native American is one thing that's one group of people that is overlooked a lot yes. in all segments of in a, discussions. In most countries, too. First Nations people in yeah. Canada, 
the um, indigenous peoples in Australia. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I wanted to do this year was try to read books by Native American authors. Okay. Haven't started yet, but it is still in the works. Uh, so I wanted to mention an upcoming book by Tommy Orange is his name. Okay. It's called They're There. Sounds like it's going to be fantastic. It's literary fiction. Yeah, definitely. Are we so, going to read it for the podcast? Potentially, yeah. Okay. So there is a new wave of Native American authors coming out, partially because there is this new institute that's been set up, and it basically is an MFA program only open to Native Americans. Cool. And so the first graduates of it are now coming out with their first books. Do you know if we're meant to call them Native Americans or like First Nations? Or? So we'll link to the story that got me interested about this guy specifically. And the, the other, one of the other authors mentioned the story, says she actually prefers Indian because of how stark and kind of raw that word is. Okay, like reclaiming that word? Yeah, but the way, that, where, the way she talks about it in the article is that it was a white person asking, and the white person didn't really care. She just wanted an answer to make herself feel better. Got it. So they, they don't care what you call them. Because you're only you trying to find the anyway. right answer it's to make you, yourself. It's for you, not for them. Yeah. That's... So nothing you're going to do is going to make them feel better or worse. I actually love that answer. Yeah. Because it's also white people like to put people in boxes. Yeah. Or everyone likes to put people in boxes, I suppose. Sure. But to be able to say, like, this is what I can call all of them and not be seen as racist. And it's like, they're all going to have their own yeah. ideas. And you can't just um, put one label on a whole group of people. Yeah. And assume that they're all the same. They're individuals. Unfortunately... This new wave of Native American authors is also tied into Me Too movement, not in a good way. Okay. So Sherman Alexie, have you ever heard of him before? He is like the one well-known Native American literary author from the last couple of decades. Okay. And people kind of say that he was like identified early as the guy, and so then all white authors said, "But we got one. Yeah, no, he's the one. The token. Yeah, we we token representation. We love Native American literature. Um, and so he has been accused of unsavory things. Uh, did you see today's? What? Junot Diaz. No. Whole lot of stuff coming out about him, oh. and people saying that he potentially. Uh, came out ahead of it on purpose with his New York Times article. To say, my life is fucked up. It's not my fault because... Oh, I kind of saw that coming. Well, that's what everyone said, is if if you read his books, it should be obvious that he abuses women the way he writes it. Right. So Sherman Alexie is not... He plays into a lot of Native American tropes, but pokes fun at them. So he's kind of beloved, but not by the Native American community. Okay. And he had has a ton of power over Native American authors and getting their careers moving. So there's been some accusations about... So we need Native American female authors is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, be on the lookout for that one. I think we should read it on the podcast, though. I will have to take a look at our upcoming books and the books that we've covered in the podcast so far and see. I know we've done a lot of female authors, but mm -hmm. I don't think we've done a ton of authors of color. So we should work on that. And you know that I have the Marco Shiro one sitting on the table over there, so mm -hmm. I'm going to read Anger as a Gift, and maybe we'll do that on the podcast as well. Okay. I think this is long enough for an episode where we didn't really talk about anything. Mm -hmm. um, this can make up for the past couple weeks of episodes, I suppose. So thank you for listening to this whole long rambly episode. As usual, you can find some links on our Twitter page, at ddgetdown. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Heather324. Um, don't follow Bennett on Twitter because he never it's uses it anymore. At Dilly Dilly. No, it's not. Um, and we will not be talking to you about fantasy baseball. Okay, peace out. Have a nice night. Bye. You gotta get down when they get down. Well, now get down, get down, uh, get down, whoa, whoa, get down, uh, get down, whoa, whoa. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down, get down, get down. Get down.